Welcome once again to another episode of Assault Precautions. My name is Jody. I'm a nurse. My name is Isaac, and I'm not a nurse. You're... I'm a tech. You are a tech. A good tech, though. Well, you know, the jury's out. (laughs) So, you know, we got some feedback from last week, and last week's episode was uh, really patient-based, and we had a lot of funny stories and, and a couple of really disturbing stories. And we found that we ran really long, but we still didn't really get to everything. So we wanted to go ahead and do a part two, if you will. We should just label it part three. Dude, it might be part three by the time we finish here. And just skip part two altogether. But there's a ton of fun patients and really great stories. You know, some of the stories I have this week uh, to bring and share with you guys are... Not quite as funny, but they're super real, and there's certainly some funny aspects to some of them. But again, you guys that are doing this day in and day out, I think can identify with everything that I'll be saying this evening. Right? Yeah, because you guys are going to see that like everything that we described last week. You'll you'll see that kind of thing, or you'll you'll be nodding your head and going like, "I have somebody just that crazy." <laughs> I I know about that. I've heard that before. Yeah, this guy rubbed semen on me the other day, and I know what that feels like. But, you know, before we start, there is one thing that I wanted to get out to you and and to share, because uh, I don't know if you have Spotify at all. Me? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I don't use it, but I have it. So here's what's disturbing about Spotify and and just the entire web matrix, as it were. Spotify, they they make a a weekly playlist. Your your, uh, Discover Weekly and your... Uh, you know, your new things that they introduce to you every Friday. And what I find is that they are so good at figuring out what I like, and I'm so mad about it. You're mad that they're, they're figuring you out? Yeah. Because That's because you're like, super oh, codependent. So, so you like Norwegian DJs at 120 beats per minute and thrash metal. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let me. You know what? We've weaned it down to the top 20 here. We know you're going to like it. We've already went ahead and just discarded the stuff we didn't think you'd like. And they're fucking right, just so often. I'm throwing things in the floor. I'm yeah. responding. So, you know, and, and don't take me wrong, Google, and please don't be mad at me and fuck up my calendar because I love you and I'm, I'm just venting here. But this whole thing where you contribute so much as you search and you go through and you listen or you, you know, do uh, website visits and they just build this whole profile on so much things that you're doing in a sense it's great because they really get to know you and they get to share some things with you that you would have never experienced before but dang it's so pervasive is it it is See, i'm gonna have to mess around with it because i usually do uh, pandora i don't know if we should be using the company names i don't know i, I don't know i i listen to pandora we'll, like fu- we'll find out whenever we get a cease and desist <laughs> letter get the letter in the mail <laughs> yeah but, you know, the bottom line is I appreciate all the, the cool shit that Google sends. And, you know, they have my mail. They have my calendar. They know who I talk to on the phone. They, they know all these things. I know I can click on something. I, I look in my head for earbud, earbuds today. Uh, two minutes later, I go through Facebook and I'm getting Facebook right there. pop-ups, you know. I, okay. Thank you, Internet. Yeah. I'm just saying. They're like, oh, hey, you just spent $30 on these headphones. Here's some for 18 that were better. Yeah, I don't think I can list off the suggested feeds that Facebook gives me. And again, Google, don't be mad at me and fuck up my calendar and all my stuff. I I, I love you. I don't know where I'd be without you. But yeah, you're going to get some weird stuff tomorrow. It's going to be <laughs> yeah. it's going to be very spiteful. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who knows what kind of pop-ups I'll get it's tomorrow. It's going to it's going to all look like the wish suggestions. Don't be mad at me, Google. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're sorry, Google. Please don't hurt us. We're poor. So, okay, guys, we're going to go ahead and get into some patience. Isaac, do you want to start or should I start? Knock yourself out. You know, I, this is a fairly recent patient for us. We've had him over the last three months. And when he, we came in, 
super psychotic, super nice. He's probably 50, 55. And I shit you not, guy <laughs> on the eight pal. And it just says, chasing people through hotel parking lot with a hammer. You know, what's fucked up is that that doesn't narrow it down for me. I don't know who you're talking about yet. <laughs> yeah, be more specific, sir. Yeah. Anyway, we get this guy in, and uh, he is kind of feeling the place out for a few days. And then after that, it kind of gets into this whole pattern of behavior where it's really obstinate. He's non-compliant with the medications. Uh, doesn't want to take anything. He's abusive to staff. He's verbally aggressive. Do He's I know just, this guy? Huh? Do I know him? Oh, yeah. You know him. Okay. You know him. Um, <laughs> my favorite story that he had um, or that I've witnessed, and there's so many with this guy, is uh, he's out on the smoke deck one day with one of our techs. And uh, the tech, you know, we this is after he's been here for a couple of weeks. We, we know this guy. We're kidding around with him. And he's still just, you know, on a, on a fine razor's edge of going between shaking your hand and, and punching you in the face. Aren't we all? <laughs> right. And so, uh, you know, this tech rears back and pulls out his fingers out of his pocket and does little finger guns to him. And I shit you not, this guy just drops his pants. <laughs> full erection. Had a gun of his own. It's, oh, full erection? Full erection. Oh, wow. I don't know. Maybe it was the birds. I don't know. They, I, don't, I have no idea. I mean, have you seen some of those mockingbirds? But the tech couldn't hold it together. He just, that was the funniest thing that probably happened in days to him. And he's like, well, you know, I guess I lost that hand, sir. Yeah, that's true. He you was know, outgunned. You, you, it was, yeah, no, you pull two six shooters on the man and he comes out with a blunderbuss. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fully loaded. Yeah. Lay but, your guns down. You know, that patient had so many lines. He would scream. He, he, uh, accused me of, of being a warlock and casting magic spells on him. I'm not convinced that's not true. Oh, I, I assure you that I don't practice any witchcraft at work. I, I like that. Take addendum. my word for it. I, <laughs> you just, at this point, you just have to take my word for yeah, it. Yeah, I believe you. But the guy was super psychotic the entire time. And um, I'm not going to say that he didn't ever really go after anybody and didn't get into, into any like really physical assaults of people. He did kind of hit back and forth and hit me a couple of times. And he was always redirectable. But he had this bad pattern of just when he would get really angry he would just storm around the day room and then just go to the corner and just pee just urinate right now there. i know who it is you know who it is now yeah that got me the guy was really unique in the psychosis that he was he was i guess experiencing and i mean he would i guess not sleep for three or four days at a time yeah really disjointed um it had echolalia a little bit. He would um, respond to other patients. You know, if a patient came up to the counter and started saying something, he would be right behind them and saying the same thing. Yeah, he would. It, that's what echolalia is. If you don't know, it's uh, it's one of those symptoms of psychosis, and among other things. But you uh, you repeat the things that you hear around you. Uh, it's like compulsory. Yeah, it's it's like a, it's like a big sensory impulse. You just. You it just happens, it, you know, you it's just, subcortical. Yeah, for sure. But I really liked that patient. We ended up discharging him, uh, actually, I think back to a homeless shelter, but that's where we found him. I can't say that he was, uh, a hundred percent back there. He was certainly improved over where he was. Um, we'd given him court ordered meds for days. He was taking them. He was compliant. Finally, after, I guess the first two or three days, of uh, actually having to get the injections. He started taking POs and, and was responding to them well. Um, but just one of those guys whose baseline really is a little below standard. Yeah, uh, I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I heard yeah, he was in the, I was actually, I was telling the story the other day. Uh, the first time I ever met him, I'd been off for a couple of days and uh, I, um, I came to work and he was already, you know, standing at the nurse's station counter, you know, at 6.45 in the morning, verbally assaulting someone, you know, uh, for something. Who knows? Uh, and uh, you guys don't know what I look like, but at the time I was shaving my head bald. And uh, he came, I came through the door and he just turns around and looks at me and goes, oh, hell. Well, Heil Hitler, bitch. 
and that was that was my first yeah that was my first interaction with this individual he was so salty all the time and you know like it's like he would just do things to get a reaction out of you like he was really clear to a certain level to where he knew he was just you know it was antagonistic, I think. Yeah, look, like there was almost this like childlike element to him that it yeah. was just like negative attention seeking, like you would see out of a out of an adolescent patient or like a underage ten patient. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you remember how long it took him to eat? Oh, and he, and he was very picky about he would separate all his food out, and it was just this whole ritual thing about eating. Oh my God, it would take the guy in like an hour and a half to eat. Yeah. And go through like six or eight juices, and I'd need some water with that. And I'd give him whatever he wanted. Had to have two spoons. I don't. Yeah, I if never the, figured that if out. the spoons touch one another, now I gotta have two other spoons. <laughs> right. like, and, and it's this whole thing, and you're gonna be called a racial slur while you're getting the spoons too. It's right. This, it's whole thing. But I, I like that patient, and just the the fact that his psychosis was so unique, and we had him for you know over the average. You know, probably way over. It really was. It's probably three or four weeks. And, yeah. Um, when we finally got him discharged, and I, he, uh, <laughs> I remember the transport that took him. So they took him down to where he was supposed to go. He got out of the van and went immediately across the street to where there was an active construction site, and started talking to the guys there in the helmets. And I guess he was trying to help him out. I was Why moving boards. You got to get you know. a job. <laughs> yeah. Immediately back to work for for this guy. Oh yeah. But, Any uh, building that he is building, I trust it. My fear is that there was a hammer on that job site, <laughs> you know, because, of course, that's how we met him in the beginning. It so. always comes full circle back to the Hamels. I, we, literally, we literally found him, you know, and got him because of a hammer, and then we drop him off to a construction site where there are multiple hammers. It's all hammers in the end. It's, it was for this guy. <laughs> what do you got, Isaac? So, I, I, I think... It was within my first six months of ever doing this job. And it was the first time that I had seen a pediatric patient with psychosis, which is, you know, like diamond in the rough, super rare. And you guys that have been doing this for a long time, you know that you don't see psychosis in pediatrics basically ever, but you will run into it. And this was in my first six months, I ran into this, this kid, I think he was 10. And he was the first time I had ever seen a patient flat out responding to internal stimuli and hearing voices and, and, you know, like you'd put him in the shower in the morning and it was just like screaming and fighting and you never knew what you were going to get out of this guy. But he actually, he taught me an important lesson that I, that I carry with me. And every time I train a new tech or, or, or teach somebody how to do this job and they've never done it before, uh, he, he gave me a little nugget of information uh, that I that I still repeat to this day because it like it, it really permeated with me and I, like everything that he did permeated with me because I swear to God like one time there was like a 350 yard elopement because of the I want a hippopotamus for Christmas song <laughs> like it was this kid was oh we had him for like seven months he was terrible he hit me all the time uh, but you never know what you're gonna get about him and, and mornings were really really bad for him because he'd wake up he hadn't had his antipsychotics since the night before so they'd worn off and he gets in the shower and I think I think some of his stuff was trauma based uh, you know some molestation stuff which is why you see a lot of pediatrics uh, having trouble when it's around hygiene time because you know that's where the bad things happen so you know he, he gets in the shower and he's He's just screaming his head off naked, like every morning, like you do. Like you do. Yeah. And at this point, I was used to it. It's like, oh, what's that sound? Oh, that's just my boy down there. He's just screaming in the shower, fighting off things that we can't see. And I, and I, and I go into him and I, and I say to him, I was like, hey, buddy, we're going to go to breakfast soon. And he goes, I fucking hate the cafeteria. Really? Why? It's because it's so fast and freezy. 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 You know, and I thought about it for a second because now because of that statement, I, and this, and I'm going to say it to you and it's going to ring true. The most overstimulating thing you can do to a psychiatric patient is taking the cafeteria. Oh, absolutely. Period. Absolutely. It's change of everything. Everything's rushed. Everybody's like shoulder to shoulder. There's all those smells and sounds and like, do you want more of the sweet potato yeah, fries? Choices. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It freaks them out. But like that set with me like as soon as he said that it was too fast and freezy in there i was like why don't you just stick around the unit i'll bring you a tray i identify with that freezy thing 
I yeah, it, like there's sometimes where I wake up and if like there's too much stimulation, I'm like, this shit is too fast and freezy. I'm going back to the shower to scream. <laughs> right. I'm done. Feel that. Yeah. We had him for a long time. I, uh, I want to say we actually, uh, we discharged him on Christmas Eve and I was just worried that he would be like traipsing through some airport somewhere with his mom in tow. Oh, you should definitely send your patient out for his discharge on the first day where there's a lot of boxes wrapped in colorful paper <laughs> with ribbons and sounds everywhere. Like, look, he expressed to me about the fast and freezy thing. Now we're going to send him to DFW. Yeah. Guys uh, having a difficult time choosing between the sweet potato, t- the sweet potato tater tots and the, you know, <laughs> those sweet potato tater tots are pretty good. They're not bad. Yeah. Yeah. They're not great, but you know, I'll eat them. Well, for a psych unit cafeteria, it's pretty, that's pretty top shelf. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> I, you know, I think that was like the first patient that like taught me something a about psychosis and b about overstimulation because like that was something that that it stayed with me and now doing this for so many years i fucking hate that cafeteria too i hate going to the cafeteria i want the patients to go that's fine but i hate going because that's when these guys pop yeah it's like if they're shaky on the unit uh, like somebody put it to me one time it was like you can test drive an airplane uh in a nosedive for a little while until the wings tear off and then it's the a ground tor- gets really close yeah. and then it's a torpedo and you're buckled up inside of it <laughs> yeah it's not a crash you hit the ground it's yeah. just a dive yeah and then and then you call a code and all your nurse buddies show up in there and you're wearing cream gravy and it's still smoking all over <laughs> you <laughs> oh good times so we had a guy not long ago and i think we had him back to back to back three times within six weeks and the first day i got this guy you know i'd get in report in in the morning huddle where all the units getting it together and like hey we got this guy down on uh you know unit three super acute he's doing a lot of weird behaviors he's super hyperverbal he's just got a lot of issues going on do i know this guy you know i think you do he was the american sniper doesn't ring a bell yet. I've oh. had a few American snipers. Okay, so he's not the American sniper, but he was pretty sure. I think he told me that his longest kill was two and a half miles out. I believe him immediately. <sighs> Man, it, who knows? I can confirm that he was never in the military because he wasn't a VA patient. And Bummer. Know, when we look for that stuff. Well, they blacklisted him after all the things he did in Kabul. Could have been Could have been some really black op. Yeah, you know, yeah they, they, they can't acknowledge it was deep they can't acknowledge it and that's why he's running the 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 circuit of psych hospitals but apparently he was a really big star on the ut uh college football team that's university of texas for all of you outside the state and uh had a number of big plays and was looked at uh by scouts to play some pro ball and this was what he told you it is is any of that true it isn't (laughs) (laughs) but the level of the guy's psychosis, I mean, he was very manic when he came in, had a ton of stories, um, not the least of which was, you know, he was in the military. He was working with DARPA on some secret projects that they, they couldn't acknowledge his participation in. Well, it's DARPA. Well, I don't know that they acknowledge anything. I don't Close know. to the chest, man. Seems reasonable. Yeah. So... I mean, but if I had walked in there and told him that I had met the chef of, you know, some famous restaurant in New York, he would have told me that he knew him. You could have just made up a restaurant. I think I did one time. And yeah. he's like, oh, oh, yeah, Charles. I knew Charles. Oh, yeah. At the Halibut Club? Yeah, the guy with the big knife. Yeah. That's the, that's the one. Makes the good scallops. Yeah, Always I, has the big knife. I know him. Yeah. But what we didn't know about that we ended up learning uh, during his admission is that falling off fallen off an 11 foot ladder about two and a half years ago and it sustained a very serious tbi oh there it is and before that he was actually really productive he had a job he lived down in the austin area um, had a nice home had a wife two children and by all appearances was doing fine wasn't doing fine after the fall yeah no then it just happens to you and everything's different and, you know, he was in the hospital, I guess, for <clears throat> three or four weeks. They they ran a lot of scans on him. He had, he had gone into a coma. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, but when he came out, um, not really recognizable. His voice had changed. Uh, was telling people he was seven years old. 
uh, would attach to anything, um, fanciful stories about everything, couldn't identify, could still identify his wife and uh, still identify the relationship, but his own personal stuff and the what made what made him who he was was absent. Well, it really is a fragile thing, isn't it? It's yeah, you know, you you sit and look and you you know, even you review your own history and you remember things that have happened, you know, five, ten, twenty years ago for some I have of us. fallen off of ladders. I've fallen off ladders, but I've never landed on my head and certainly not landed on my head in such a way that made me think I was seven. Not yet. You hadn't put up the Christmas lights this year yet, you know? <laughs> no, but um, a super nice guy, but he ended up being uh, medicated. Medi- medications really were not effective for him. It could change his mood lability. Well, when it's a TBI in nature, yeah. that's a that's a whole different... That's like a hardware problem. Yeah, it's know? an organic brain injury. Yeah. So, you know, you're not looking at a synapse misfire or some kind of a neurochemical yeah, imbalance. You're, you're looking at damaged synapses, you know. Right. <clears throat> and things that when they start to come back together, make poor connections or, you know. In whatever case, it forever altered this guy's life. And uh, he really had some of the funniest occurrences and some of the funniest stories. And in the end, you know, and certainly on the second admission, Became super, super labile in between periods of the day where he would go into rages and then he would stop and be very childlike and then he would come out of that and be very personable and very funny and uh, do well with other peers on the unit. Uh, But it was just all over the map with this guy. We never really could map him, really couldn't get him to a point to where he was even sustaining even just for a moment any type of pattern. Uh, we discharged him. <clears throat> we were going to send him back down to his home in Austin. And uh, so we took him to the bus station. Wait, we, we, he came a long way then Well, from you know, Austin. Uh, yeah. So he was up here. He had some family up here. Oh, uh, oh, okay. I was like, it, he was visiting. Yeah, that's an alarm bell. If, if yeah. you, you, you try to get, uh, you know, clinicals on somebody and like, which you guys are five hours away. No, he, how many hospitals turn you down on the way? No, he had his father. He had a grandmother up here. He was visiting his grandmother, and he was contacted by law enforcement, you know, for just some odd behaviors. And uh, so we got him back down to the bus station, and uh, the bus station for us is kind of in a rural setting. And the bus comes by and picks up patients and uh, gets them to the to the terminal here in Dallas, the the larger station where they can be shuttled out to wherever location they're going. There was a super fun construction site next door. Second time we've been discharged to across the street from a construction site. I know. Back to back stories. We got to stop doing that. Yeah. Well, this one ends a little bit different. He ends up hopping the fence and getting over. And um, I guess someone left their keys in a forklift. Decides to, he puts on the hard hat, safety first. Well, thank God. He's got the vest on. He's got the hard hat on. And I'm sure he felt like he was a master at driving the forklift because, I mean, that's what he would have told you if you'd asked him before. None of us saw him driving it. He could have been. Well, I didn't personally see him. I heard that he was doing a, a, at least a decent job. Right. The He wouldn't yield to the construction uh, foreman when asked to stop. <laughs> the sheriff was called. The sheriff comes back out. I mean, we're talking like six hours later. Uh, on the discharge from the time that we signed his papers and sent him out. And uh, he's back at the hospital. Awesome. <laughs> Just super, super out there again. I remember this story when he's back at the hospital. What's he wearing? He's wearing the vest. They, they literally, if I go to his personal belongings, the hard hat's in there. <laughs> I'm not shitting you. Like the sheriff's just like, oh, this must belong to him. Yeah, here's it, his stuff. It doesn't, sir. This <laughs> belongs to someone else. Yeah, he acquired that. But today. in his personal belongings is some purple backpack, and right next to it, yellow vest, yellow hard hat. Well, you want to stay safe. Safety first. Yeah, if he'd have been wearing that from the 11 foot fall. He stayed with us, I don't know, three or four days past that point. We Good actually probably did get him on a bus. And as we understand, it did make it to Austin when we talked to the people that were receiving him down there. And, you know, I hope he's doing well. I didn't, haven't had any more feedback. And, you know, as far as we know, he hasn't been hospitalized again. But we'll be on the lookout. So I, I had this one uh, one time that was, I, I think um, it was prior to Jody and I working at the same hospital. 
And uh, I came in and albeit I had never recognized this patient before, I knew who he was because I came in and here was my new patient from the night before and I saw him and I knew who he was because he was famous. He was a very well-known defensive player for a famous football team. And I was like, is that really? And I checked the chart. Sure enough, that's him. We've got, you know, this guy. I know who he is. So anyway, I looked at the chart, and I, I know this guy was. Um, and apparently what had happened um, was, and you guys will immediately know what this is. He was on Christmas break, and he decided that he was going to smoke a little K2. With his buddies. Yeah. He smoked it one time and it and it uh it changed his life forever. See that a lot. Yeah, you know, there's like a one and done with that drug. It just some people can, some people can, and it's it, not it just takes your soul. It does. Yeah, and it took this guy's soul from him. But him being a professional cornerback, now you add this labile delusional behavior on top of it he scared the holy shit out of me super physical yeah yeah because i mean his job was to you know shut down a wide receiver all day every day and now he was shutting me down and, the, <laughs> and this other guy that i worked with it was like 30 percent larger than you 30 percent uh, yeah yeah he's a he was a big tech um and this i remember this guy was uh oh god he had his he was screaming in my face, and he was so close screaming in, his, in my face that when, as he was screaming the words, I could feel his teeth scraping against my cheek, oh. and his forehead was against my temple, and he was screaming at me because all of the chocolate milk had been poisoned. So him and I together dumped out every damn chocolate milk in that fridge, and all the white milk, and we dumped out all the water and all the juice. It must have been like... 75 cartons that we dumped out. We dumped them all out. Like, if you think they're poisoned, my friend, whatever's going to keep you from tearing my head off of my body and spitting down my neck hole, we're going to do it. Sometimes whatever in that moment is going to keep you and other patients safe is appropriate. I'm sure the kitchen was pissed off. I, I did not care. It's like, yeah. I, I'm glad to send him down there for breakfast. <laughs> and you can yeah. fix him. But uh, uh, this was, this was uh, you know, I'd seen K2 cause problems before, but this was it, it's like a harrowing fall from grace because, you know, like I knew who this guy was. I watched him on TV. Like, uh, like he was, I was familiar with his work. And, you know, here he is responding and hearing voices and singing gospel songs at the top of his lungs and screaming at me and taking me down. And it was... Uh, it was frightening, but it was really, really sad because, like, you know, he probably he probably smoked the K2 because he didn't want to fail a drug test for smoking pot Yeah. Uh, for his football team. So you he know, was like, I'll smoke the K2 instead, and then look what it cost him. He never went back. Those he synthetics, yeah, those synthetics, we see that. And, you know, every once in a while we get a patient that comes in, UDS is clean, nine panels, nothing, zero drugs. But... You know, and they, they'll tell you, you know, hey, I did this or hey, this happened. And I've seen patients come in and clear out, you know, three or four days in. Yeah. They sleep. Something happens. They're like, what just happened? We're like, well, let me tell you about your last two or three days, buddy, because it's been horrible. Yeah. You've been some, wearing me out. Some people don't come back. No. They're um, forever changed. This was one of the ones that even when we got the lability cleared out and and he wasn't like hurting everyone... He was, he was empty. <clears throat> and I don't, I mean, wherever he is today, he's probably still got a degree of emptiness. Like that, that K2 took part of his soul from him and it's never coming back. Yeah, it's weird. Ended his career too. And, you know, we're seeing that uh, with people that are coming in. They're like, they only pop for pot. That's THC is the only thing that comes with the nine panel. And, you know, the working theory I'm having lately is that 
you know, you always hear the other people, oh, that, that pot must have been laced or there must have been something on it, you know, like they were doing, you know, a few years ago with the embalming fluid and all these other weird, weird things they were doing. And I don't think that's happening. Nah. I, I really am beginning to think, because we're seeing so much of it, I've probably had six patients in the last couple of months that have come in popping for zero but pot and have zero psychiatric background, no medications, never, first psychotic break, pot only. And I'm beginning to think that it's either something that they're using in the cultivation of this uh, plant or maybe something they're putting in the water uh, to irrigate it. There, there's some weird shit going on with marijuana right now. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> and listen, I know I know out there, there's a ton of people out there like, hey, I'm not in, encountering any of that issue. You know, bless you guys in Colorado that are just openly smoking and walking into, you know, Target or wherever, wherever you're doing. Yeah. We're, we're always picking on Target. But there's something going on, and, and it's it's or it's an organic thing. I just I'm starting to believe there's something going on in the process of the production of this marijuana that's not where the same. Where it's still on the black market here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like where, where it's... no, I'm talking about everywhere. I'm talking about I mean like people because it, it's really weird. Like it's not regulated, right? So the people that are growing this may be private growers. They may be you know small uh, commercial growers. But there's something going on with the way that you know, of course. You know, bless the free market where people are trying to do more with less. <laughs> you know, there's something going on out there, folks, with there. It's not right. I don't know what it is, but I'm starting to have this theory that there's something going on with the way they're producing it. Probably. And it's scary. That's it's, why you should stop growing it. It's because you're screwing it up. Jody. Well, I mean, dude, for how many years people were like, oh, I don't do drugs. This one powder as well. It's fine. But now and then all of a sudden, yeah, like, all I'm doing is smoking pot. Like, yeah, yeah, but that doesn't. When the gas company comes to turn the gas off, you're outside naked, painted blue, with a hatchet. <laughs> yeah, but that's not hatchet. pot. You know, we've all been right. we've all been teenagers before. I didn't do that. Yeah, but no synthetics. Nothing else pops on the UDS. They're like, dude, I don't do anything. I smoke pot with my friends from time to time. And uh, Sunday at the game, somebody came over. They brought some you know, whatever. And I don't remember anything until you just patted me on the shoulder to take my battles this morning yeah. at 645. It's been just... 11 days, buddy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You're I don't know what's going on with huge that. It's, chunks of time. It's weird, man. Yeah. It, and it, it'll, it, it'll affect people different because the one guy can have some and it's okay. And then the next guy will have some and then he comes to see me. Yeah. I mean, and keep in mind, you know, we're all different, you know, even, as a nurse, I could tell you that if you want to sit and go, well, how many muscles? We know how many bones are in the, in the human body, right? 206. That's pretty standard, unless you get the weirdos with the six toes or whatever. Who knows? Well, to, but to, if you, to, 209 <laughs> in that case, I guess. But if we look at even you know major physical structures such as muscles, you may not have the same muscle count that I have. You may not have the same developmental structure. Um, how many and, muscles are in the human body? Oh, dude, I don't even know. It's a lot. 10 million. But it depends on really who you ask. So make it up. Yeah, I'm going to say 80. 80? <laughs> so, no. So we got somewhere between 80 and 10 million. Yeah, we're narrowing it down. Yeah. But so when we look at things like that that vary from individual to individual that are large physiological structures, we could certainly begin to look at neurochemistry and even biochemistry and notice stark differences between individuals so when we introduce different chemicals into that system it's going to hit people differently and people are going to react differently and some people are going to have neuroleptic reactions you know and i know that you and, and i have and that's going to be a thing that's going to be a whole episode that oh, you yeah. and i do neuroleptic reactions are definitely yeah. something we're going to discuss so isaac we... and i have this thing with uh with methamphetamine in the way that it's it really rewires your brain it's yeah. one of the only drugs that does it yeah look neurological allergy stay tuned that's yeah. a that's a teaser yeah we see it a ton and it, there's just no other explanation it's just it's so wild the science really hasn't caught up with it and there's the first time you and i discussed that we were watching a covid19 patient sleep and spider-man 2 was on television yeah just so you know okay i don't remember exactly what we were watching I but i know it was a deep conversation spider-man 2 with toby mcguire but i mean we see it all the time mm -hmm. we see these people come in there <clears throat> that are just chronic methamphetamine users and, you know, you have it across the board. People can use. I've seen people using 20, 30, 40 years. And it's not pretty, but it's not 
at the level of what you may see somebody that just maybe popped for a year or so and get really serious about right. it. Maybe they're now into IV use. And man, it's different for them. Way different. Yeah, which in turn makes it different for me <laughs> as, as their tech. Right. <laughs> Trying to take care of them. Different for everyone. I mean, from a psychiatry standpoint of, you know, how do we stabilize this patient? It's it's just very hit or miss. And I'm going to say mostly miss with these guys. Mostly miss. It really is. Yeah, it's, um, it's horrible. So this next one, uh, I, I'm going to guess that this one is going to come in um, as a request. Somebody requested this story. All right. They said, uh, hey, I listened to your thing, and, and you didn't tell X story. Oh, boy. I want you to tell this story. Who is it? The the patient or the staff? No, no. I'm no, not going to name either one of them. <laughs> okay. But you both know who you are. So I've got, uh, Jody knows me. Um, I've got a particular favorite kind of patient. You already know what kind of my favorite, my my favorite kind of patient is. It's my favorite. So we get this admission overnight. Uh, I don't know what kind of, you know, what flavor he's going to be. I don't know anything about him. He's sleeping most of the day. It's getting close to the uh, midpoint of my shift. It's like noon. It's like one o'clock or something. He's been sleeping all day. And it's like, you know, I don't know what to make of this guy. Uh, there's not much says in the chart, maybe some odd behavior in the chart. I don't know. Not much, you know, so we're just gonna have to feel it out. He's been sleeping, but then, but then I hear, um, this song from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou with George Clooney and John Goodman. Excellent. And he's singing it and he's singing it really well. He's, he's uh, like, I, I could sing it now to tell you what song it was, but I, I wouldn't do justice to the way he was singing it. It was amazing. And I was like, okay, this is strange, but I'm starting to learn a little bit about who he is and he's singing it and it just keeps getting louder and louder and it starts to get so loud that his voice is cracking. And I was like, all right, here, here's where we are. So we're, we're, you know, we don't have these social cues. We're just singing. We're responding to internal stimuli. So, you know, we're run of the mill for that kind of unit, you know, whatever. And, um, Meanwhile, in the day room, group is being held. And then there's like, it's a good day. There's like 12, 15 in attendance uh, participating in group. So, all right, cool. Well, he, he appears in the hallway looking into the day room, but he's holding up a blanket like he's a ghost. But there's a hole in the blanket, and I assume that he's torn it there himself. And you, from the perspective of those sitting in group, they can only see his eye. It's just his eye. That's all it's exposed. And he's holding up this blanket. He's like a ghost with yeah, one eye. Yeah, I so know this story. You know, yeah, you know him. <laughs> yeah. And the person that asked me to tell the story, they already know this story. They're already laughing. I, I can hear it right now. Um, and he keeps singing it. And he starts dancing back and forth. And, I, and I'm coming up the hallway and I'm like, oh, Things are getting better. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is getting spicy. And and he just starts singing repetitively. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. And he drops the blanket to reveal that he is stark naked. There's the whistle. There it is. Yeah. There's the whistle. <laughs> and like the very first thing out of my mouth, this is my brand. I like that guy. This was like, I was like, this is my patient. This is what I want to work with. Like you give me the guy with the chemical dependency. Like, you know, I can fake my way through, you know, giving him banalities about coping skills or whatever. Maybe I sound cynical, but like you give me this guy who's blowing the whistle and he's naked in group. That's my shit, man. That's my patient. Like that's what, that's what I work the best with. Oh God. And he flooded his bathroom like six, seven times a day. Oh man, he was awful. Like he couldn't even speak in complete coherent sentences for like three or four days. It was terrible. But you know, that patient goes back to what we were discussing earlier. Fully functional, married, two children, going to college, holding a job, close relationship with his father, family guy, completely clear. But he dips into these narcotics. Boom. Boom. And he's blowing the whistle. Oh, he's he's blowing the whistle. And he comes in like that, and four or five days, boop, back. He's all of a sudden the light comes back on. He's good. Uh, you know, he's have these great coherent conversations. That first admission, 
That was a little bit before he came back on. That was what, nine or ten days? Yeah, it was a little while. It was a lot of floods. I remember maintenance having to come in there on the weekend (laughs) or after hours and him getting mad at the techs about letting him into the shower. Yeah, the wet dry vac was out, the fans, (laughs) all that. There was a shop vac and we couldn't let him into his room, which like, what's your opinion about not letting a patient into the room? Well, you know, the patient has a right to have a bed and to have private facilities and to have a space to call their own. So you have to make accommodations. And if they flood into the room, then that's just, you know, if you can't isolate that out, if you can't put a patient on a one-to-one, then that's just your problem. Yeah. And I, and I get that. And there's basically two schools of thought on that when it comes to psychiatric care is that, that you can or you cannot keep a patient out of the room. You cannot. That's one school of thought. The other one is like, I want to encourage them to, you know, join group. Oh, and certainly. It, and and you, you've, you've heard this, you know, them defending this for years. And like, so what, you know, when they come out of their room in the morning, I'm going to lock the door. I'm not going to let them back in. They've got a communal bathroom. I've met their, you know, their, their state mandated rights. Sure. I want them to be, you know, participatory in group or whatever but you know where it falls with me is like as long as you don't come out of your room and kill or rape somebody <laughs> i don't give a fuck what you do in super there. good standard you flood there. that room all you want to and and with him he would be in there fully clothed and singing and just flood inch and a half of water on the floor and i'm like hey buddy yeah. you want to get out of the shower no all right and then i do a check and i move along <laughs> not my problem <clears throat> He would sit on the drain. He would just sit right on the drain. Is that why it was flooded? Yeah, yeah. He would sit on the drain. He wasn't a big guy, so it was yeah. like a it's like a strategically positioned butt cheek. But you know, we yeah. haven't seen him. We had him kind of in a four or five month period. We have him two or three times. I summoned him one night. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, I was talking to a nurse, and we were reminiscing on some patients. And I said, you know, remember that one time we had the guy who was singing "Blow the Whistle" in the day room. And I shit you not, uh, like I swear he just heard me say that yep. somewhere in his bed, and he just like sits straight up at like some godly, ungodly hour, like three o'clock in the morning, and he admits the next morning. Well, he you was know, there. so it's uh, it's always dangerous to say the patient's name on the unit. Yeah, you can't but, do that because you always run the run the risk of them readmitting. They'll but, come right back. They can hear you. Well, if you say it three times. You might all the way. You just said, go ahead and get their linens. Yeah, you you, yeah. Some, you, you already signed the MOT. <laughs> they're on the way. It's on the way. Yeah. yeah, they're in the back of an ambulance right now getting for set. Yeah, I I really like that patient. And when we discharged him last time, he he's was... He's a good guy. Yeah, he really is. He really is a good guy. He's really nice. He discharged like you and me. I mean, we were sitting having just super clear conversations. He was talking about going back to school, what classes he was taking. He was ready to back out there. His dad's super supportive. Um He's just, he just makes a few mistakes here. I mean, he's just, he's a young kid anyway. He's growing. He's making some bad decisions, but. See, I'm torn. Half of me wants him to be like in school this fall semester and doing okay and taking care of the wife and maybe he's got a kid on the way and like everything's okay. And then like the other half of me hopes he's in Kroger blowing the whistle right now. (laughs) I, I'm sure. I'm sure that kid's doing fine. I mean, I. He'll be fine. Of course, we we and we always wish he was an easy her. fix. He really was because you know when it's drugs, sometimes it's an easy fix. And I'm always. I was really pleased to see. Cause, I mean, when we got him in, I wasn't sure where oh, he shit. was at. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, so, we we figured out pretty quickly where he was at. It was when a he mess. Came out there with that blanket. But you, like, here's where he's at. Right, but you have no expectation of where baseline is. So to oh, see yeah. him where he comes to baseline, you're like, wow, this guy's really functional. It's this is great. Yeah. And you know, we've had a few patients like that. I remember um you may remember one patient. She uh she was married to a guy that got into methamphetamines and uh that she does not narrow it down. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to narrow it down. She decided she would try it and uh came in She's kind of a bigger girl, long hair, biting, just peeing everywhere, delusional, wouldn't sleep, completely disorganized. Yep. Got it. You got it. Okay. Oh, my God. So, you know, after that first that first admission, three or four days, she was like, so tell me more. I was doing what? Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, you know, there, Actually, was, there was some stuff. 
you you bit this guy, you, you know, you hit, hit this other check in the face, you peed over there on the table. Literally climbed up on the table and peed. I remember. And the first admission comes in like that, and uh, I don't know, it's like day three, day four. She's like, what? Like, yeah, yeah, this is what happened. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. And uh, she ends up, she had a legit, you know, discharged person. She had a stable environment. We didn't really know about the spouse's use uh, so much. She just told us she got it, you know, wrapped up into something. And we're like, oh, well, yeah, we see that often. So, okay. Um, send her home. Yeah, she's back in like two months. This time she comes in a lot rougher. Mm-hmm. Got a few more miles on her, a lot more miles. A few more miles on yeah. the odometer. So, I mean, and I remember having the discussion with her. And this is, you know, akin to that, the conversation we were having. It was right around the time we were talking about that that reaction, that allergy. Yeah. The neuroleptic reaction to you being allergic to some component. April last yeah. year. And I was like, listen, some people can do this stuff and it's not good for you. And it's a, it's a very bad life decision. But some people do it and it's just a bad few days and they come back out and whatever happens, happens. And, you know, they go back to work on Monday or whatever. You're not one of those people. Nope. You, you can't do, you can't even look at this stuff because <laughs> and this was her first try. It ended horribly. Uh, I was like, listen, when you go back out. I want you to make sure you stay with your medicines, stay with your contacts. You stay know. the fuck away from this don't, drug. Yeah, don't. It's not for you. Nope. You're not good at it. Mm-mm. But guess what? Unfortunately, she was like, "Ah, Jody didn't know anything. Couldn't possibly happen again. Nah, no way. It's a one-off." And then here we are. Yeah, so she comes back in. Uh, doesn't really clear up that good this time. No, not really. It and, was harder. She probably did more. Yeah, I don't know. You know, physiologically, if if she's encountering you know when you're up, in the, your pulse is running one ninety nine or whatever oh, for that's a fine. couple of days. You're not sleeping. You're and, just a black metal song. One ninety nine. That's horrible. So I don't know. I don't know what happens. She comes in much worse this time. Much more delusional. It doesn't look like she's bathed, and I don't know how long. And you know, she's more physical this time. Uh, completely delusional. She's incontinent. She's just sour, but she remembers sour. us. She remembers some of us. Well said. Yeah. And so there's a little bit of a connection there. She's like, oh, you know, hey, in these little lucid moments that she has, which are few and far between because she's completely labile and she's triggering other patients and she's just intrusive, just poor boundaries, just everything that, that turns a unit upside down. Just toxic to the milieu. Yeah. Yeah. She was. But, you know, still special lady, and I'm, I'm working with her, and we're all hoping that, well, you know, last time she cleared out, maybe this is just a little more underwater, and maybe we're going to come to surface here soon. Turns out. Never came. Nope. She got a little more shallow, but never, never. Not quite to the surface. <laughs> not quite to the yeah, surface. she never periscoped. The third admission was a train wreck. I haven't seen her since then. Uh, it's been, I don't know two or three months baseline was worse than her first admission. It was horrible and never stopped. I mean, she went straight back out, started using again. It's just not for her. It's not for a lot of people. And I mean, it to the extreme, if you look at just neurochemical reaction, I mean, from the moment that she touched it, through all the moments that she continued to touch it. It's she, like psychiatric anaphylaxis. Oh, it's, yeah, it's horrible. It's like I anaphylaxis mean, of the thoughts and behavior. And, it, and it's like that thing that like, it's like permanent damage. It just doesn't come back. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm looking at her degrade. She just decompensated so poorly over six months. I mean, just so badly. Yeah. You know, and again, same thing, hoping the best for our patients and hoping everything's working out. But, you know, when she went this time, she was at least stable enough to not be a physical harm or an imminent danger to herself or others around her. That's more than can be said about me. <laughs> yeah. But still well under the surface of the of the original person that we got in that, that first time where she cleared. So sad story, but I'm, I'm wishing the best for her. That's eh, part of the job. It is. That's that's life in the aluminum siding business. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, it's rough. So like uh like always, I've uh, written down a few uh, select quotes from the infamous book of patient quotes that I've accumulated over the years. All right. I thought I'd drop a couple on. I love these. For you. I know how to juggle. Well, it's not really juggling. It's just that I dropped this one ball a whole lot. That's still kind of juggling. I, I mean, it wasn't not juggling. <laughs> it's a controlled toss. And this was probably one of my favorite um, responses to a verbal redirection that I've ever gotten. Because this is like encompasses the attitude of so many of our patients. Man, fuck directions. I feel that. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Uh, is mixing colors math? Yes. He's not wrong. No. He's not wrong. It really is. Like, you're like, oh, that's silly. But then you think about it and you're like, oh, shit. It's absolutely math. This nine-year-old kid is like, he's right. You were thinking he was way down under? He was way above. Yeah, no, he's, he's lapping me. He's lapping you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, same kid. Everything in the universe either is or is not a potato. Also, fact, not wrong. Fact. You can put everything in the universe into those two categories. Is a potato is not a potato. This guy needs to write a book. I, I mean, I'm I'm trying to get him on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's probably he's probably got a book deal coming soon. Um, uh, well, that's George Clinton for you. Uh, George Clinton. I mean, really, <laughs> full full on like Parliament George Clinton. <laughs> I'm not sure. I didn't drill down, as they say. That is George Clinton, though, right? That's who we're talking about? Yeah, the George Clinton. From Parliament. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's only one. Is there another George Clinton? There's probably, there are probably several George Clintons, not as significant as the Parliament George yeah, Clinton. Yeah, like if we're not talking about funkadelic George Clinton, like right. I'm not interested in talking about this George Clinton. Like if he's a politician or a, or, or like a paint factory owner somewhere, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I could, care about the bass player George Clinton. Yeah, gotcha. That's George Clinton for you. That's George Clinton. <laughs> um, uh, that same patient that said that about uh, that's George Clinton for you one time got upset with me because she was cold and that I should be warming up her blanket in the dryer because she's a reptile. A good tech would have done that for her. Oh, that's true. Well, what I did was that I warmed up her blanket for her and then I got a bunch of freeze-dried crickets. <laughs> 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 Let her, and, a, and then I put a stick oh. in her room and some leaves. And the heat lamp. And a heat lamp. Yeah, you yeah. got to have the lamp. Yeah, we took care of her. Good. Yeah, you know, patients come first. That is care. Uh, here was an interesting question. Can you still vape while you're being inseminated? Oof. There's a good question. Can you? I think you could, technically. Because you're really it's... only intaking nicotine. I don't know. I'm not an obstetrician. No, I think, I think you could do it. Can you vape while you're being inseminated? I, we probably should consult a physician, but I think it's doable. Probably. Uh, that actually came from a staff. Uh, not a patient. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God. It came from it came from a staff. That was one of those fun times. so much. Can you, wait, can you vape while being inseminated? That was from inside the nurse's station. Ugh. Yeah. Well. Well, it's still doable. It's unfortunate. Yep. Um, and Dallas County still has my fucking gerbils. Did we ever figure that out? Did they have them? I don't know. I, you know, I checked his property. We didn't have an evidentiary receipt for any gerbils. So no gerbil transfer. Well, they could have the gerbils, but they didn't write him a receipt of evidence when they apprehended him at the gerbiltory. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, those things get lost all the time. Anyway. Well, listen, Dallas County's they they don't have a very good. Uh, you know, chain of custody for gerbil evidence. Yeah. And and there's been numerous articles written about how poorly they handle gerbils. Yeah, there was a full expose. Yeah. <laughs> Living dead and freeze-dried in any <laughs> gerbil farm, they're not that great at it. You know, it's room for improvement. It's a probably, teaching moment. Probably you could have given the guy any gerbils that had been there. He wouldn't have known. He'd be like, oh, those, yeah, those are those. That's it. Those yeah, are but that would be a gamble because I could have brought him two gerbils and be like, those are not my fucking gerbils. What do you take me for? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he probably would have done that though. He's yeah, like, he no, that's not like, Harry. Yeah, this isn't Harry and Gonzalez. Yeah. What are you trying to do to me? What kind of bullshit is this? Yeah. You trying to give me the old bag over the head gerbil treatment. <laughs> it's bull crap. Uh, I had a patient, um, 
Can I go back to my room and change scrubs? I really need to unrodeo clown myself. Oh. What I think he meant is that uh, the paper scrubs that you've given me are too big. I have some smaller paper scrubs in my room and I'd like to change into them. That's a much more reasonable explanation. But what came out was I want to unrodeo clown myself. What were you charting on that patient? What was the uh, behavior? Is that 14? Ridiculousness. Yeah. yeah 14. Yeah, 12 and a half. Yeah, there was, there was one time, actually, and I can just, off the top of my head, I don't even have this written down. He asked me if, in my personal opinion, I thought he had the cladoplism to Clad- live in Austin. I don't even know how to respond to that. Cladoplism? Yeah. Do you think I have the cladoplism to live in Austin? Did you, did you back him up? Well, I, first thing out of my mouth was just... Well, I'm not sure. He needed to hear it. Though. What part of Austin? <laughs> right. You know, yeah, that that you have may not be appropriate for the north side. Yeah, yeah. You know, like Cedar Park and yeah. Round Rock and Pflugerville. Yeah, but anywhere that's, on the south side that's going to yeah, fly. Anywhere on the south, like Bee Cave and Hudson Bend, <laughs> this kind of cladoplism, it's going to fit in fine. But yeah. if you go to Cedar Park or Leander or Liberty Hill with this kind of cladoplism, yeah. Mm-mm. You're going to come back be to the hospital. You'd be called out immediately. You'll be that. back here. Yeah. I don't know what cladoplism is, but, you know, it sounds good. I used to live in Austin, and it makes me, you know, introspectively curious what kind of cladoplism I had. You were living on the south side. You, so. I lived on both the south side and the north side. That's <clears> really? Good. Time on both. I, I lived in um, uh, Hudson Bend. And then Ooh. I lived um, on the north side, just outside of Leander, north of Cedar Park. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, how much cladoplism do I have? Is that like a, is that like a count you can get from a lab draw? And at this point, I'm going to have to say 5.0. Five. Yeah. That seems excessive. Well, we're going to one to 10 since I have no idea what you're talking about. No, I, well, I, I don't know. I was going to say you're right in the middle. Yeah. Where's your cladoplism clout, do you think? <laughs> Two. Two? Yeah. Yeah. It's not clinical. Whatever it is, I'm sure I don't have it. Yeah, and then the last one I have uh, written down is, uh, "I'm the dragon that Jesus rides." I'm not hallucinating anymore, by the way. Don't chart that. Oh well, I you know I'm trying to remember the verse, and I don't know if that's in Ecclesiastes or where is the Jesus dragon thing? Uh, in uh, that'd be Second Gazebo. Second Gazebo, right? Yeah. You know, I think that was one of the only books of the Bible written in the original Syriac. In orange crayon. <laughs> in orange crayon. Yeah. Tangerine, actually. So I'm going to end this with uh, one story that I just can't let go. Good. Because it's so good. And it was so original. <clears throat> we had a patient, and bless her heart, she was uh, steadfast in her denial of her condition. Uh, Same. Yeah, you know what you have. I know. And she would come to the nurse's station every day with a list of questions for us. And they were absolutely in order every time. Same pattern. Same question. It got to be so repetitive that we we wrote down all the answers to the questions on a sheet of paper and taped them to the nurse's station so that when she came up and started, we'd be just like, yeah, just review this, ma'am. This please, should answer everything. Please refer you. to the placard. Yeah, please. Uh, she came in pretty bad, really psychotic, super delusional. She wasn't aggressive or anything. No, she, she was, was never aggressive. She was what we like to call pleasantly psychotic. You know, I don't know about pleasant, but well, she I mean, was psychotic, but she wasn't physical. Based on the events of the day that she came in, she was pleasant to me. Yeah. Was yeah, a bad day. that is true. That was... <laughs> I don't know if we're going to have to do a part three of this oh, whole yeah. patient thing. It's that, just so many. We could do an entire episode on the events of that day. Probably. Oh, my God. What a nightmare. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. We're not even going to talk about that patient. But uh, this lady was so original in what she did uh, when she discharged that it just is so worthy of note. We uh, got her ready to go. We signed all of her discharge papers. And nursing. she was presenting as better she was really yeah like she wasn't asking these uh, obsessive questions she wasn't like ruminating on on these things and then and she was like programming and yeah you can have like conversations with her i mean she was still a little absent but you know who didn't yeah but like we made progress on her i mean i <laughs> i maybe we're jaded and if we saw these people 
you know, when we're in Walmart and, you know, we judge people differently when they're out in public as, as when they're in the hospital. I don't know if it's a lower standard, but, you know, you look at them when they first came in too, and you're like, well, where are they now? And where were they before? And how's the medication working? And, you know, all the things. But this lady filled out all of her paperwork. She's very nice. She the entire process. Therapy comes up. They do their part. And uh, she's got her folder and she's ready to go out the door. And we have arranged transport for her. Uh, which was another employee of the hospital. We're going to take her downtown. So we get her out the door. We get her out, you know, get all of her property collected, get her into the van. And it's about, uh, I don't know, what is it, about 30 or 40 miles to where she was going? And I was, yeah, they're about. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit of drive. And we get about to the midpoint, and <laughs> our driver calls us and uh, calls the house supervisor phone. And he's he's alarmed. He's like, listen, I am surrounded by police. <laughs> Do you remember the story? And I was like, there when the call came in. Yeah, we're like, so, you know, surrounded by what happened? What's going on? What he's are like, you up to? I, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I, I thought, you know, I, there wasn't a lot of traffic. And then I look behind me and there's like four or five police cars. Then one pulls over and they, they lock me in and they guide me to an exit and they pull me over. Like I'm, you know, some Colombian drug Lord and uh, they get me out and they surround the car and they, you know, have weapons out and they're <laughs> commanding me to exit the vehicle. And what had happened was the patient from the back seat, while she was being transported to her discharge destination had called the police and claimed that she was being kidnapped Good move. Oh, so solid. I love it. It's just solid gold. Yeah. Because I remember uh, my uh, nurse manager and my director of nursing were in there fielding the phone call inside the nurse's station. And when they were repeating this story out loud as it was unfolding, I remember you just leaned back in your chair with your cynical ass and you said, nice move. I like it. Well played. Well played. (laughs) So original. Because we'd never had that happen before. I'd never never even heard to no, me. Yeah. I've never seen that before. That yeah, good. no, it's so original. It's like that could have happened at any point with any of our patients because I mean they have all of their stuff. They have their cell yeah, phone. They got there's, a phone and yeah. their construction hat and their vest. But their property. I mean, and at this point, she's not even helping herself. She's like delaying herself from getting her destination. She's like, what are you doing? Like he's, you're just stopping yourself from getting to where you, we were taking you home. It's like this little impulsive lightning bolt went through her brain and yeah. she just was like, okay. Couldn't okay. stop herself. Had to do it. Act upon this impulse. So funny though. God is so original. Yeah. I love that good. story. I've never, and that poor, and this employee taking her is like in his sixties and he's like a saint and he wouldn't hurt anybody. He drives a school bus. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, he's just a sweet little it's old man. One of the man. nicest guys ever. Yeah. He's just, just like, a saint. If anybody makes it to heaven, it's going to be him first. Yeah. You know, but then they're like, what are you doing, girl? Why are you calling the police on me? (laughs) I just love that whole story. It's just so rich. It's just like, who even thinks of this? You know what I'm saying? It's like her. I guess it was Betty that thought of it. It's just so good. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. It looks like we're at the end of another episode of Assault Precautions. Leaving you with more questions than answers. Yeah, there's a few questions this week, but I think I think there's an interesting little mix of patients. What do you think, Isaac? Yeah, they're interesting. That's one word. Yeah, it's kind of been a mix. And, you know, like I say, we could probably do another 10 episodes of patients. And it's just so fun because the experiences are just so unique and so rich. Um, and you learn so much every day you go to work and, you know, what you learn one week and observation of a patient teaches something that you'll use next week. Right. So it's a great job. Um, and it's just, you know, the friends you make, the patients you see, it's just something that is going to be with you forever. And we enjoy doing this and we hope all you guys out there that are, that are doing this daily with us are enjoying it as well. We'd love to get some feedback and hear some of your own stories. Not actual feedback, because that would be something that I have to edit out. Yeah, yeah. Isaac's the the audio genius. But we are now live on Twitter. You can find us at Assault Precautions and on Instagram as well. And, of course, the way we always end every show is if you're out there and you feel like you're close to making a bad decision, always know that there's someone out there that can make a difference for you. You can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 and they will listen to every word you have to say, no matter how long it is or no matter what it's about. 
this is a great organization. They've been helping people for years and they can help direct you to the help that you may need. And it's, it's a worthwhile call. I hope, hope no one out there makes any poor decisions. And certainly those guys there can help And they're Again, like I say, super great at what they do and they'll listen to everything you have to say. True story. True story. So you guys, uh, we appreciate you listening. Tune in next week. We're going to be posting pretty regularly from now on, uh, probably Mondays and Tuesdays. So we appreciate you listening. Have some Pantera. Thank <laughs> you.